This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we catch up with British national ski team member Andrew Musgrave in Lavigno, Italy. He's been there for a pre-World Champs high-altitude camp, and this interview was actually recorded on January 24th, when Musgrave was still depleting himself of oxygen a bit in Italy. The 26-year-old from Scotland is a rising talent on the World Cup. Certainly, he's from a non-traditional Nordic ski country, and making his way from Alaska to Scotland to Norway was no small feat. Yep, you heard that right. Musgrave has actually skied as a junior in Alaska, and then in Scotland, and more recently, he is based in Norway. He now ranks 20th overall in the World Cup and 17th on the distance list. His best World Cup race came recently on January 21st in Sweden, where Musgrave placed 6th, 18.7 seconds back from winner Canadian Alex Harvey. And when the Scot was 23, he made national news in Britain by winning the 2014 Norwegian Freestyle Sprint National Championship just a month or so before the Sochi Games. Okay, there's your intro. Now it's on to Musgrave. Who do you ski for and where are you, where are you based most of the year? Well, my name's Andrew Musgrave, as you probably gathered, and I race for the British team. I come from the northeast of Scotland, but I'm currently living in um, Norway. Um, so I'm based out of uh, Trondheim at the moment. I also race for a private team in Norway called Team Leesplatt. You've always kind of caught my eye for a couple of reasons. One is that it's obviously a small team. You come from a non-traditional Nordic country when it comes to you know cross-country skiing, and you're having a pr- real solid year. Um, I think this past weekend, you came in sixth in the skate race. Am I correct about that? Yep, that's correct. Disney. So, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. <laughs> nothing, nothing apart from that. You know, when I do my background research on you, it's you, know, you obviously won a Norwegian national championships. It looks like in a skate sprint prior to Sochi from looking at a BBC uh, video clip that you, you really kind of considered yourself a sprinter. And how do you perceive yourself now? Um, yeah, I don't at all think of myself as a sprinter now. And I, I definitely just think of myself as a distance skier now. And prior to Sochi, I, I mostly thought of myself as a distance skier, to be honest. But um, I was focusing quite a lot on the sprint in Sochi because I can do well on a hard sprint course at altitude if it's skate. And that was what Sochi was. So I thought that should suit me pretty well. It didn't end up going as well as I'd have hoped, but that was the event that suited me best in Sochi. The Norwegians are obviously fairly stacked, you know, when it comes to, or just loaded with lots of good skiers and, you know, winning a sprint championship in a place. And I looked at the the start list from that race and there's some very solid skiers represented it, obviously. And you win that. What does your physiology tell you? Or what are you, what is your, what do your coaches tell you? Or what do you sense yourself that, you know, I, I consider myself a distance skier and not a sprinter. Um, 
where I'm just quite slow, to be honest, is why I consider myself a distant skier, not a sprinter. Um, in an out-and-out sprint, I am, like, quite slow. <laughs> so when I won the Norwegian Nationals, it was a really hard course in Lillehammer. And it was snowing an absolute ton, so it was soft and it was loose and there's big hills. So it made it a bit hard for the sprinters who ended up sort of wading through the deep snow. And I think it suited me as a bit of a lighter kind of distance guy that I could go faster than the heavier, stronger, more powerful sprinter guys. Yeah, I mean, you pull, I mean, it was kind of amazing to watch. I mean, once you started that high tempo kind of jump skate a bit, you just took off and dropped everybody. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite know how I managed that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, I must've just had a good day. Um, and a little bit of luck, good skis, good form on the day. So, yeah, but it was def definitely in the uphills that, um, I managed to get away from the other guys. If like Hattestad or any other sprinters had kept up to the finish, I'm pretty sure they would have, uh, sprinted away from me up the final straight. How do you go about choosing which races you're going to race? I believe that most often you don't race the full World Cup schedule. So how do you go about organizing that? I tend to pick out the events that suit that I feel like suit me best. Um, or in previous years, I've done that. This year, I've done it a little bit different. I've done most, the majority of the World Cups pre-Christmas and I've done uh, the first World Cup in Sweden after the Tour de Ski. And in previous years, then I've continued doing more racing on the World Cup after that. Whereas this year, I've decided to just focus fully on the World Champs now. So I've like, it's going to be a bit of a shame missing Fallen this weekend. And not either not doing the Norwegian Championships like I've tended to do or the um, trial event for the Olympics in Pyeongchang. Um, I've decided that what's best for going fast at the World Championships is just to sack off doing any more racing and head to altitude and get a good training block in. I'm sitting here at the, in the hotel room watching everybody else racing, wishing I could be there. Got to do what's best for the World Champs. So I'm going to be going back home to Norway for the two weeks prior to the World Champs and just chilling out there. And then I'll have, head out a few days before the 30k in Lati. Okay, and is that the event in particular that you're focusing on in Lati? Um, yeah, I think that that's the event I've got uh, the best chance of doing well in. This year, I've just been looking almost exclusively at the 30k, but then I'm going to do the 15k and the 50k as well. So I feel like I do have a good chance of doing well in those, but the 30k is the event that suits me best. You know, this is something that, you know, here in the United States, there's a lot of chatter all the time about funding, about, and I think there's a movement now to try and get a ski waxing bus, something like the Canadians have, and obviously those bigger nations have those kind of mobile waxing units. Can you describe like what actually is the infrastructure of the British Nordic team? You know, how many skiers do you have? And when you're traveling on the World Cup, what kind of techs are running around with you? Well, on the British team, there are four of us that are doing World Cups this season, and we'll probably have, or four or five, maybe one of the other guys will do a World Cup or two later in the season. So there's one girl and 
three guys and then we might have one or two more at the world championships it varies a little bit from race to race how much support we have um i've been at races before where we've had where i've just had one guy with me who does coaching team captains waxing and massage last week when i came sixth in uh sweden we had two guys with us um or with me, I was the only athlete there. So I had both of them were doing waxing and testing, and then one of them was doing team captains and all that sort of stuff. So we don't have like the biggest team in the world. And we do get support through the Scottish Institute of Sport as well. And so at some selected races, we'll have a physio with us that the Scottish Institute of Sport send out, or a physiologist. Um, so at the World Champs, we're going to have a pretty big team, but we don't have that at all the world cups at all it depends a lot it varies a lot from race to race it should be noted that the british team has an arrangement with norway that in effect means this in exchange for wax tech assistance britain allows norway to use some of its quota of world cup staff bibs that means more techs for norway and possibly faster skis for brits like musgrave okay back to the interview and who is your primary coach? And, you know, I'm wondering, do you, do you work solely with one coach or do you have a club coach that you also work with based in Norway? The person I use most for helping training, planning and things like that is the coach of the team I race for in Norway, um, Team Liesplan. Um, and he's called Hans Christian Stardheim. And it's the first year I've been working with him. So, you know, from looking at your FIST statistics, <laughs> when you click on the statistics tab, you know, it brings up a bar chart, essentially, of the years that you've been on this, the World Cup circuit. And it looks like your first points were in 2012, and it runs through 2017. And there's a pretty steady progression from 2012 to 2017. And you almost have not quite double the points, but you, you have a you had 161 points last year total, and it looks like thus far this year you have 284 points. So from that metric, it sounds like a success. You know, looking at this year alone, how do you explain that? Um, yeah, I think like the working with Hans started this year and like he's the stuff he's got me working on seems to have like helped a lot but also also i do have to say that last year i had glandular fever during the summer so so i missed a couple of months training there so that might have something to do with um why my season last year wasn't absolutely amazing because i was in really good form a couple of times during the season but i just struggled a lot to maintain form throughout the whole season what is your coach having you do differently this year than maybe in years past? Specific, you know, if you want to talk specifics. Well, it's not like anything major. It's just maybe getting me to have a little bit more focus on the intensity sessions. Um, so if I'm having an interval session one day, then taking it a little bit easier the day before or to make sure I'm fully recovered and just, yeah, having more focus on the intensity sessions. And I think... I maybe did a little bit less training early summer and a, and slightly more late summer. I believe that you've been in three different ski, like a different ski clubs in three different countries. One being I think in Alaska in the US, 
one being in Scotland and the other obviously in Norway. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Okay. And all of these were obviously at different times of your life. Uh, I think you lived from five to 10 in Alaska because your dad was stationed there as part of his job. And then you were back in Scotland and then, and then in Norway. What was best about each? What were culturally some of the positive things that you see? Or remember? Yeah, so the, they're all slightly different. Um, like you said, when I was in Alaska, I skied with um, the, what was it called, Junior Nordic, or I think it's Anchorage Junior Nordic. To be honest, my memory is a bit rubbish, so I don't remember all that much about it. But I remember just going down, having a good time, hanging out with my friends, skiing around, and it just being like a good, fun way to get into skiing. I suppose that's pretty similar to the club I still represent in Scotland, Huntley Nordic Ski Club, which is where I come from. Uh, when I moved back to Scotland after living in Alaska, I basically just joined the ski club there. To I wasn't planning on like, being a pro racer or anything. It was just a, something I already knew how to do and that maybe I could meet some other kids my own age um, when I got there. And yeah, it just ended up, it was pretty similar to like Junior Nordic in Alaska. It was just like good group of kids, good fun, going out, having a good time, messing around on skis, learning how to ski a little bit. And then the club that I race for now in Norway, I think the junior section of the club's pretty similar, like big group of young kids that go out, do some training, have a good time. Um, but then we've also got a couple of us that are seniors that are maybe a little bit more um, focused. As um, the club I race for in Norway, it's more I... I don't do all that much training with the club. Sometimes I go and help out coaching the juniors, but like if you when you race in Norway, you have to rep uh, represent a club to um, get Norwegian Cup points and things like that. And um, it's a little bit random that I ended up <laughs> racing for the club I do race for. It was just that I had a mate that um, was in the club, and he said, "Oh, you should come and join my club, and then we can do do the Norwegian Nationals relay together." And that was kind of how I ended up racing for them because it's an Oslo club, and at the moment I'm living in Trondheim, so I don't get all that much time training with the club. Do you remember any of those kids that you skied with in Anchorage that were roughly your age? One of my best mates was Eric Packer, um, as it happens, which is slightly random. I hadn't seen him for years and years, and then suddenly I met him at the World Junior World Championships a few years ago, or quite a few years ago now, getting on. But um, yeah, and then I've seen him around a lot of years since then, and he was doing the whole first half of the World Cup season this year, so then I met him, or first third, whatever it was, and I met him then, so yeah. The Brits that commentate British Eurosport, which here in the US, I, I think we have to pirate that, but they're great <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> but they're really fun to listen to, and they're, they're knowledgeable. Um, they obviously are always keeping an eye out for you. And one of the things I think I heard a couple of years ago, and I'm like, I don't know if this is myth or not. They're like, oh yeah, Musgrave, he picked up the Norwegian language in like a week. Is that true? Definitely not in a week, no. But I reckon I probably picked it up pretty fast. But that's just, when I first moved to Norway, I was finished with secondary school um, in Scotland. So I was done with school. And I went over and just trained with the she ski gymnasium and um i just got stuck in a big house of entirely norwegians and i was lucky enough to be able to go to 
Norwegian classes, um, like adult learning classes that the local council put on um, twice a week. So I was doing that twice a week and just living in a house that was entirely Norwegians, all speaking Norwegian with each other. So I was kind of forced to learn it. And Norwegians are also ridiculously good at English. It's quite easy to manage to not speak Norwegian, but the people I lived with were all like really good and tried to like force me to speak a little bit of Norwegian and make me learn it. So I think I ended up learning pretty quickly, but def- definitely not within a week now. <laughs> And are your classes, like when you are enrolled in engineering classes, are they in English or in Norwegian? I uh, know my course is in Norwegian, yeah. So And there's no problem? Um, or well, half the textbooks are in English. So if, I, if I'm ever confused, I can just look up on Google or look in one of the English textbooks. But no, it's, no, it's uh, yeah, not much of a problem, no. When you do go back to your club in, in Scotland... And you go home and you're skiing, you know, if you have an opportunity to ski. Do kids there and parents ask you questions about maybe there's an aspiring junior that how do they go about doing what you've done staying in Scotland or at this point is the only path kind of the path that you've paved where you need to go to a country like Norway where there's systems in place, lots of very good skiers to test yourself against is that something that you might still advise a kid growing up in Scotland? When you're in Scotland, and the problem is there's just not reliable snow. But like, you can do a good job of training. You can do roller skiing. You can learn the basics, get fit. And I, so I think you can be like become a fairly decent junior skier just living in Scotland. But like, if you want to make the step up to being one of the best in the world then like you just have to have snow time is the major issue and you just don't get that living in scotland so if you want to if you want to become world champion i think you probably do have to end up going somewhere like scandinavia central europe just to get the time on snow when you see like the success of the u.s women you know is that something that's surprising to you uh when you look at sort of the, the the culture of obviously we're not norway finland sweden to be honest, I don't like actually know all that much about domestic skiing in the United States. So, like, um, I suppose it is a surprise that like someone that's not just one of the traditional countries—it's not Russia, it's not Finland, it's not Norway—that's coming through. But like, um, I think probably once you get like one or two skiers at a really high level and then the other people on the team start getting to train with them maybe that maybe that just makes it more likely it gives a better training group and helps the others on the team progress and like the american women are just like ridiculously good at the moment so i think i think that's probably or maybe something to do with it just that once once one or two of them started going fast then the others all sort of followed along and it's kind of I suppose it's kind of like in Britain at the moment, like we've got me and Andrew Young. Andrew Young was on the podium in the World Cup last year and both of us have just been like pushing each other year on year and um, and when one of us does well, then the other sees that, oh, if he can do it, then I can do it and that sort of has helped us both progress at the same time. This is the last question, I swear, but you know, coming from Britain and... I imagine at some point you started to really, I mean, I'm imagining you were able to watch 
skiing on British Eurosport, maybe as a teenager. Um, when you come across an athlete in Norway, and I want to know who that is, where you're still sort of like, holy smokes, that's so-and-so. I can't believe I'm still, you know, I'm meeting them. Is there a skier like that in Norway that you're still just stoked to either get advice from or meet? Um, not not going to lie. I didn't have Eurosport when I was living in Britain. Um, so I don't, I didn't actually know particularly much about any of the skiers in Norway. I just knew Norway was the skiing nation. And I had a few like recorded Olympic events from Turin um, that I watched lots of times when I had nothing better to do. But like, apart from that, I didn't actually know very much about, um, yeah, about cross country skiers or so there's like when I got to Norway there were all these like big celebrity well known skiers and I hadn't actually got a clue who they were and I just sort of pretended that I knew who they were. Well thanks for your time and um so I have a great camp. Yeah, no, thank you very much for taking the time to um call me and have me on. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation. We're hoping to have the next episode, which is on the U.S.'s bronze medal relay performance at Junior Worlds, out next week. Thanks.